Welcome back. <laughs> your dreams are your ticket out. Yeah, man. We were just talking about <clears throat> the fact that we're on our 22nd episode. Yeah, this is the 22nd episode of Fried Squirms. I'm yeah, Tyler. I'm Danny. And we're here to talk about more horror movies with you guys. Yeah, and uh, today... Well, a horror movie. Yes, one in particular, right? So uh, today a we have a... horror movie that involves having other movies within it. Yeah, it does. It certainly does. This movie is a... Uh, a really good departure from kind of what we've been doing, but it also fits into kind of some of what we've been doing of late as well. It re- it really does. I, I was thinking about the same thing just a little bit earlier. Uh, the movie we are doing this week is The Keepsy Tapes. Yeah, came out in uh, 2007, although it didn't get a release until later. I was about to say, let's... Hold off on that? Well, let's, let's go right into the how did that make you squeal. All right. But we're going to start off with how they're going to have to watch this. That's interesting. So, how does that make you squeal? Cool. So, <laughs> uh, we're in the how did that make you a squeal? Squeal. Where we, you know, just sort of talk about the movie a little bit, spoiler yeah. free for the most part, sort of give you an idea of what we think of it. If, you know, in case this episode is your jumping on point and everything. Yeah. So, um, interesting episode to kind of jump on board, but a good one if you like some really, you know, some. Some different material. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. So if you do want this material, this is also a very interesting episode because there is currently only one way to watch this movie, yeah, and that's to acquire it through uh, beyond legal means. Yeah, you have to go fishing. Uh, this movie was made in 2007. Right. was set to release in 2007. right. Then its theatrical release was shelved, and no reason was ever given. Yeah, weird. Weird reasons. None. Then, you know, people expected a Blu-ray or a DVD at some point. Never happened. No. I mean, it was screened at some festivals and stuff. People yeah. people knew about this movie. I think it was people, attached to certain, like, trailers for movies. Mm-hmm. There was trailers for it. Uh, people had seen it through festivals. People had seen it. Just, it existed. Like, people knew about it. Word of mouth was out there. Exactly. Just no way to get it. No, no uh, distribution. No way to get it. Right? Then for, like, a month in 2014, yeah, it was available on DirecTV's Video On Demand. And then it was pulled yeah. with speculation yeah. that uh, it was finally getting, like, a Blu-ray release or something. Exactly. And so, we're yes. still waiting to for a release. I will be the first... I mean... This is a solid film. I don't like collection. the fact that I have to like. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I've pirated movies in the past, but I, like, I would throw money at this movie. I enjoy this movie a lot. I would love to have it in my collection. And that's a great point. Like I said, because I'll put it this way: depending on the media, right? It doesn't have to be movies. It could be music. It could be whatever. Um, if you're a big enough fan, right, and you're a big enough supporter, you'll go out and buy a solid copy, right? And word of mouth, I'll get people going out and getting copies and so forth and such so you know uh, on one side yeah it's you know it's kind of a, it's a fishy way of getting things but um you know it, it can also pay dividends you know it'll it'll grow your fan support too you know right i mean and that's the thing i'm not my history shows i'm not one that's necessarily yeah. against pirating no overall, I, I'm, I'm no angel <laughs> i'm no angel uh Never thought to be it, one though. It kind of stinks right? that that's the only option right now. But yeah, and that makes it harder for a lot of you out there to watch it. 
I realize, unfortunately. But it is very, very, very much a movie worth hunting down. I totally agree However, because this is the how does this make us squeal. Right, right. This isn't the first time I've reviewed this movie. Yeah? I used to do a different podcast years ago. And the first time I watched this movie, the next day we were recording. And so we, you know, I gave my hot take on it back then. Yeah. Uh, I still have that recording somewhere. Eventually that might actually be listenable at some point. So, I mean, this movie has sort of been in my life for at least that long. Yeah. And I'll never forget my initial review of this movie. And it stands. The way I likened this movie is, you know, you know, the cliche about taking someone you're interested in like on a date and watching a scary movie so that when they get scared like you can wrap your arm around them and be like oh, oh yeah. it's all it's all good don't worry about this i got you You'll yeah be safe. absolutely yeah like, don't there. worry baby been there i said instead this is a movie you would prefer that your potential significant other doesn't know that you enjoy Exactly. They should never know that you've seen this movie and that you like this movie. <laughs> this movie is insanely messed up. Here, here's here's the rule to the exception, right? Because there's always exceptions, right? Uh, the only way that I would allow that is if my significant other were comfortable or yeah. they were familiar. Then it's okay. But like I said, on the other hand, if you don't know or if they're not familiar, I'd say, yeah, yeah, shy away. And, this and is one that thing, I wouldn't like, the want my parents I, really seeing, per basically se. Basically, the point is, like, I feel like this is the movie that breaks that cliche. Like, this is not that horror movie. No, it's an no, insanely no. good horror movie. But if you're wanting to do that shit, like, this is not the movie for it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely not. It, it'll leave a, uh, an indelible impression for a certain, for sure, if you let them watch this film. I mean, this movie's left a hell of an impression on me. There's a oh, couple yeah, of scenes no I, did not, I didn't have to watch again. Uh, <laughs> I knew, like, I even remembered some of the dialogue, almost word for word. Yeah. And that was, like, this isn't a movie that I've binged on. It's just that some of that shit just sort of stayed with me. Because it was, the the killer in this movie has some of the scariest moments, I feel, <laughs> that I've seen in, in film history. Yeah, it's, it's very uh, creepy and disturbing. Um, but it pays dividends, you know, to the, the character he's, he's portraying in the film. So maybe we should, I guess, explain, like, sort of what kind of how this movie is a little bit unique. Uh, yeah. This isn't another found footage film. It is. It, I mean, it is, it well, is, but it's not. It's, it's, but, uh, it's also, but it's not. It's exactly. also a documentary. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, or a right. mockumentary. I mean, some people like to use mockumentary only for comedy ones. But right, but no, I, feel I like think this one... It, it's a it sh- mock-up of a documentary. Precisely. That's a good way of portraying it. It's a, it's a film, right, about... Should we go into it like that? Yeah, I mean, it's so it's a mockumentary that right. involves found footage from a serial killer. Exactly. So the tapes that were referred to, the Pakiti tapes, Which also refer to of, a region. Right. Well, it's kind of neat that... We did, like you pointed out a little bit earlier, we just recently did a mockumentary that involved found footage, and we've kind of hit found footage in mockumentaries a number of times now. We kind of really dig this shit, don't we? It's, it's, uh, in in a bit of a sense, it's, you could say it's coincidental, but it's, it's also, I think, a way of, of how we're connecting the dots as well. In this case, though, this one, if anything, the others were coincidental to this. Uh, oh, wow. Kind of backstory 
for the podcast, this is one of the first movies we even talked about doing. Yeah, the no, fact that it, right. the fact that it's number twenty two, kind of boggles my mind. Like every other week, we bring up this movie. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. When I was writing up, you know, our notes for the week, I was thinking of how many times we had mentioned it throughout our broadcast, our podcast here, and it's like, okay, I'm glad that we're doing because it it's it's quite a film. But you're right. It's like wow. It's it feels like it's taken a while to get to it. Yeah. Oh. Jesus, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure before we had anything, before we recorded Reanimator, when we were talking about movies we could do, I'm pretty sure this was one of the movies we mentioned we could do. Oh, I know it's in the list. I've I've gotten written down on on one of my notebooks. Yeah, it's it's so ridiculous that it's numbered, but... I'm so glad we got to it. Anyway. Likewise, likewise, because now we can we can share it with uh, with our listeners, uh, you know, and, and give a give a you know a detail. Of the, uh, I want to shine on. I mean, I just really like. I want you people to go out and watch it. No, it's Basically. definitely worth watching if you like horror films. If you if you're invested this far, or if you want to go further, uh, this is looks so this is one of the films that fits right into our uh, our wheelhouse. Okay, but it is creepy and extreme. No, I, I totally agree with that. Um, it's not one that, like I said, I would binge watch, no. We, so, my initial observation of this movie, you know, the it's it's the one that breaks the cliche. Right. Now I feel like we've done a few movies that could fit that. Uh, Visitor Q, Martyrs, Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. Immediately all Quite jumped to mind. Movies that definitely break the cliche. They're not the type of movie you want to be taking the date to. <laughs> yeah. Although still really good horror movies. Yeah. This was the first movie I ever ran into that did that for me, though. Um, along our, our, yeah, along our journey. Along, yeah, along <laughs> my personal journey, at least. Like, although I'd watched a lot of horror movies growing up, it was only a lot more recently that I got into a lot of the some more extreme ones. This kind of being not as extreme as others that we, I think, we could both just name off. But I mean, this one leaves you with a bad feeling because it's insanely real at times thanks to the jittery cam yeah and- no it's it's it gives um a, a good nod to the director in this film you know the writers involved the actors involved um everything about this film it's it's spot on you know very um, believable from from every angle you give it and something i mentioned back when we were talking about savage land is that a lot of the time for me growing up, like in the middle of the day, a lot of the time the most interesting thing on TV when you only had like 20 channels to choose from <laughs> was the true crime documentary that was on like A&E or Lifetime or, you know, whatever. Whatever those channels, right. So watching documentary style things just really clicks with me. I don't actually watch a lot of documentaries in real life. I, I definitely get down on docs from time to time. Like, I'm kind like of that, that same old, yeah. But, like, horror movies that are docs, that are presented true crime style, like, that clicks with me. Like, I've seen a shit ton of these. Like, I know how it goes. Let me yeah. let me cycle in. Like, this... Well, I, can, I, I can take in the information this way pretty easy. I, I feel like watching the, these style of, of films, like you said, you're familiar with them, and I, likewise, is it also gives uh, your mind a way of, you know, following the film as well. Like, trying to put the, cl- the clues together, what's going to happen next, what's really going on. So, you know, it makes you, uh, I think, it gives you a lot more focus. It makes you want to pay more attention to the details in these type of films. Mm-hmm. 
So we mentioned the the directors. I think you might actually have like the names. Yeah, um, if you don't, the, the director of the film. Um, it's a set of brothers actually. Now the the brother that I'm speaking of is Jean Eric uh, Dowdle, or uh, Dowdle. I think that's how they pronounce it. He uh, he did some films outside of this uh, the Bikipsy tapes. Um, I think he also. I'm not sure if he directed or he helped write uh, the movie Devil. Uh, right. He was involved with that. He was involved with the movie Quarantine. So if you're familiar with those films, he also did the film As Above, So Below. So below which yeah. I actually just saw a trailer for recently. I never watched it, but now I really want to because it looked really good. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I may have seen that. If I'm not mistaken, I may have. I'll have to go back and watch the trailers just to confirm that, but I'm almost certain I have. Uh, his brother helped write this film, uh, Drew Daddle. Uh, he helped write or produce uh, As Above, So Below, Waco, which is a TV film movie, mm-hmm. right? Adaptation. And Quarantine as well. So they either had a hand in producing, writing, or you know, directing films. Um, production companies, like says the Brothers Dowdle Productions and Poughkeepsie Films uh, distributors, I guess for they had a, maybe a limited release, theatrical release in the States. Well, I mean, or something. Or maybe I mean, it's it wouldn't even I have know, been that. I mean, I mean, MGM um, is the one attached. I know that. Yeah, but. exactly. But, I, you know, I don't know about that either, like how that was handled. I don't know. Yeah, I I honestly have no idea because, because yeah. we we've never gotten an official release. You can find the fucking I mean, there's even movie posters for it. There's film trailers for it that were attached to other movies. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, I'm pretty sure it screened at festivals. I'm not positive, but I want to say that people you I'm, know I'm saw it out it, in the yeah. wild at times. You know what I mean, so to speak. You know, this would have been a good one to <laughs> had seen in a private screening or you know just like a, a festival like set of sorts mm-hmm. would have been interesting. No, you know, unfortunately, I, I didn't, like, I, I can sit here and take a look at some of the people that were in this movie, and if I bring up the pictures of them, like, I'm like, oh, that was that person. I exactly. get that. Most of the names I didn't catch, except for one very particular one. There was, it was very there were important a few, in the but, movie. Yeah. That being said, though, I'm very familiar with one of the actresses that was in this movie. Yeah, we, you did mention that, so, yeah. It's going to be interesting so, to hear that. So, who do we got? We got... Well, I'll let you lead it off. Well, I, I, that's the thing. I'm not sure which one in the movie for sure Samantha was. You I know, believe Samantha's the one towards the end with the British accent. I'm almost certain because, of Because uh, Samantha Robson, who played Samantha, I know, being a fan of Red Dwarf, she was in the episode Sirens, which is the season premiere of season six. Okay. And she ends up like making out with Craig Charles for a bit in the episode. <laughs> Uh, it was her very first screen role. Oh, cool. And she said that that was actually her best on-screen kiss experience ever. And, you know, nothing since. There's always been something way more off about it. But right. they, they both just got into it, but yeah. were having fun with it. Like, they weren't, like, getting into it, getting into it. But, but no, were, no, no. And, like, just laughing the entire time and having a great time on set and all yeah. sorts of shit. So... Well, good. That's cool. That's a pretty interesting story because I think you're right. That's all. I didn't really write it down. I think some of these. Um... Also, go red. Watch Red Dwarf. Yeah, I'm just I gonna know. plug that real quick because good not point. enough people know about it. But like, if you like Futurama, you're gonna like Red Dwarf. Yeah, good point. I'll put it that way. It's yeah, basically. <laughs> awesome. Best way to put it. Go for it. Sorry, go. Yeah, so I I did write down Samantha Robson plays Samantha. Right, that's the actress we're talking about. Um, Another actress I wrote down was uh, Stacy Jabowski. She plays Cheryl Dempsey. Yeah. Quite a performance in this film. 
Uh, yeah, Cheryl is the only character that I can name. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Would you? Well, no, I, you can't say that. I, I already know. I already know I was going to answer. Other than, I guess, the Water Street Butcher. Yeah. <laughs> Do they even give a, like, a credit for for who was, like, what's he listed as? Um, the person that I've got responsible for that credit, you talking about the guy behind the film? Yeah. And the tapes? Uh, Ed? Ed, okay. Yeah, um, Ben Mesmer is the actor who plays that, Ben Mesmer. Okay. Yeah. That, that's what I thought, that he's credited as, he's Ed? Yeah. Okay. You know, because so, he's... But he, I want to back up part, real yeah. quick to Cheryl, because... Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Stady Chbosky or whatever. Mm-hmm holy shit <laughs> um her little bit of time on screen is uh it's really fucking terrifying yeah she she puts on a performance in this film that's um best suited for people who can perform i don't know like some some really disturbing material it's like martyrs level fucked up yeah with a handheld camera so to speak you know <laughs> yeah it's 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 remarkable really well i mean that's an intense she acting. does yeah she does an amazing job totally sells it yeah especially off to her. uh that last bit is absolutely wow. like like heartbreaking it is it's <laughs> it's uh, hard to when when you're processing like wow. what she's what she's saying that's fucked up yeah i it, it's gonna be fun talking about that you know here in a little bit but yeah she she does she does a solid performance i think she is one of the trio which involves ed uh are they the guy who plays ed ben mesmer samantha robson i believe they are, they're all involved somehow with quarantine the movie devil and uh maybe even as above so below and mm-hmm. some other films and tv series and things like that so that's how they're all kind of connected another actor that i've I written down was um ivor broger he was uh, uh an fbi agent leonard Shway. was leonard was he he was one of the of fbi agents that was uh he was a field agent he he gave kind much. of some of the stronger testimonies about uh, some of the discoveries and whatnot he was he's got some really cool oh, okay. um some really cool credits right he uh he was in scream queens we had mentioned before with um jamie lee curtis right right uh he was in the remake of martyrs of uh 2015 remake of martyrs whoa yeah i saw that i was like speaking what? of martyrs yeah scroll down a little bit on that there is another interesting this goes back all the way to the 80s right a little film called chud motherfuckers in chud yeah oh yeah what yeah so this guy's got some pretty cool credits what we've talked about before as well and uh it's like that's a really cool connect the dots it's an episode of bones i'm surprised I yeah i think he might have a lot of these uh these actors these uh older gentlemen actors they were involved in the film hbo film uh jersey boys i think he might have been involved in that as well because oh, the next yeah, actor he was in chud yeah. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. The next actor I wanted to discuss was um, an actor named Lou George. He played Felton Lewis. He was another uh, detective, field agent, right, in this mm-hmm. film. Uh, he was, like said, in the film Jersey Boys. Uh, he was another uh, series we had talked about, I think, briefly with uh, Terminator. He was in, on the show uh, The Sarah Connor Chronicles. Chronicles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I remember I watched the first season of that and I really liked it, but I, that's I never really I kept up with it. I, you know, I wasn't really into. I won't say TV series, but like more your mainstream, you know, basic cable. Mm-hmm. 
wasn't really watching a lot of shows on that. But anywho, uh, the next actress I wanted to talk about was uh, Amy Linden. She plays uh, Alice uh, Indersart. She was a real estate property owner. Oh, at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So she has a couple of clips. She was in the film. She's got some pretty interesting credits in the film BTK. Oh, Bind, Torture, Kill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was in that film. Um, she was in a show that I'd mentioned because we had covered uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street. She was on the show Freddy's Nightmares. Yes. Yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, that's pretty cool. And here's another show because we're talking about, you know, you've seen like crime shows and things like that. So you might also be familiar with the show Unsolved Mysteries. Okay. I think she played a couple of the reenactment uh, parts in this. Uh, that's something, uh, if I can just go off on a small tangent. Yeah, that- man. This movie that doesn't use the reenactments too often. I can only think no, no. like two instances come to a mind. A few times, yeah. Maybe three. Tops. But they hit it on the head. They do it fucking perfect. Well, yeah, it, yes, they do. It's just like those reenactments. I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unsolved Mysteries. I was like, man, that hits a home run with me. I know what that's all about. And you could tell that it was nothing like what probably happened. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is always, you know, that's why you have to like the reenactment because they're always dramatic. Mm-hmm. That's that's their job. <laughs> but uh, another actor I've got written down in this film was uh, a gentleman named Michael Lawson. He plays um, Simon Allray, and he was the audiovisual expert in the film. The guy oh, who was like right. watching the films. He was he's more or less involved in the casting department in films. And so he had a hand in the movie Tenacious D, The Pick of Destiny. Nice. Um he also uh, has a, a hand in the show The League. Oh, yeah. I dig The League. Yeah, The League's a good show if you like I if you like football and or fantasy football, it's a good show to watch. It's a good comedy. You know, the wonderful thing about the league is you don't actually have to be into either of those things. No, you don't. If you just like they really comedy. just use those as an excuse to be horrible to each other. Good point. Great point. Uh, it helps to get a couple of the jokes. Well, yeah, but it's not. But I know really necessary, right? I know a lot of people that aren't into football or fantasy football still like the league because only like ten percent of the jokes you have to know that shit to get. That's a, that's a really good point because I think <clears throat> there's a lot of shows that kind of pay an ode to that mm-hmm. uh, is that you don't necessarily have to know a lot about that particular subject because they don't really overdo it in the, on the show right uh, everything you need to know they tell you for the most yeah, part exactly exactly but if you have basic knowledge it helps mm-hmm. definitely does but yeah it's a good show oh uh, another gentleman here he plays um, the retired agent the guy who like teaches classes in the show right uh, the guy's uh, his name is Ron Harper that's the actor's name his, he, he plays um, retired agent Mike Mokes I think he was an FBI profiler uh, in this movie he was in the Planet of the Apes TV show. Yes, he was. You know he what was else he was in? <laughs> you know what else he was in? Which is cool during that time period? He was on the show Land of the Lost. Third season, he was Uncle Jack. Yeah, man. Yeah. Old Uncle Jack. I was like, I remember watching reruns of that show when I was little. That one, yeah, unique uh, Saturday morning show. But uh, yeah, he, he's got a pretty cool part in this film. Let's see, who else? There's a couple other actors, actresses. Eh, you didn't really have to write down because there was so many of them in this film. Right. I they mean, had some interesting credits, but I mean. Um, and I feel like there's a couple that were maybe in it for five seconds apiece. Yeah. Because there's a couple like just quick cuts of sort of showing just some of the the little excerpts from the tape here and there. And I agree. It's like so the way that it's shot because it is 
like I said, a, a mockumentary of sorts where it uses a lot of actors that give certain uh, portrayals, their testimonies of, you know, what happened. So you do get, like, quick blurbs of these actors and actresses. It might last just a few seconds here and there. Um, so if we're skipping over them, our apologies. But, uh, you know... Uh, uh- and honestly, like for the most part, it was hard to even assign names to most of the people in this movie. I agree. So I'm, I wasn't honestly sure who, who was who when I was looking at some of these names. Yeah, no, so. because like there, there are a lot of actors and actresses in this film, and they all do a, a, a great job. I know that at least one of the gals had had a bit bigger of a a career after this. Let me let me look it up really quick. Yeah, no here. problem. I've got a few actually. Um, one of the actors, Jason Ribbling, if I think if I'm not mistaken, I'll, I've got him written down a little bit further in the film, so I'll, I'll recall him later. But uh, he was in a, he was actually in uh, quite a few movies. He was in the movie uh, Gangster Squad that came out just a few years ago. I really dug Gangster Squad. Yeah, he, he was in that. He was uh, in the movie Tomcats. Okay. So um, if you like comedies, he's in that. And he was also in the movie uh, Last Days of Disco. Okay, I never did see that. Yeah, so okay. when he pops up, um, I'll, I'll re-mention him. I can't remember exactly where he's at in the film, but uh, an actress I've got written down is Iris Barr. She was the psychiatrist in the film. She's had some interesting film credits. She was uh, on the on the show The Brink. That's okay. on HBO. She was in the movie Last Exorcism, and she's also on HBO's Curb Your Enthusiasm. Actually, uh, a number of them have been in Curb Your Enthusiasm, because Bobby Sue Luther, who's also in this movie... Yeah. Uh, she was in uh, an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. She was in Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. That's pretty cool. She was in Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Nice, see? Uh, yeah, it's I, interesting. Like, I suppose I should mention she actors. played Josephine in the movie. Ooh. I don't know which one Josephine was, though. See, that's the thing. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I, and I've, it was just too hard to fucking follow some of those. Uh, you would, I mean, you and I would be spending all day writing notes about who these people are. She was actually a producer on ABC's of Death too. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's I've uh, cool. I've watched most of the first one. I need to catch up. A couple other things like Fear Clinic and stuff. Um, I think she was the one that I was thinking of though that did some kind of neat things. That's pretty cool. But yeah, for the most part, that's that's the cast and crew I have. What there really like I said wasn't much in terms of its budget. I never really found out anything on its budget. Um, I did get the special effects team on this. It was a uh, Fuzzy Duck Studios. They helped with the animation production. Does he? Does he? Was he? <laughs> Maybe. You know how I like taglines. There's a tagline for this film. Okay, what's the tagline? The tagline this time is the last thing his victim saw was his camera. So think about that, right? Let that one stew a little bit. Okay, and with that, I guess our warning. We've mentioned it a couple times, yeah. but this is a pretty screwed up film. Yeah, this it's done documentary pretty... style, so all the absolute worst stuff you don't see. No, and, and, and that's almost the worst part of this movie. It's that, um, like I said, that dreaded fear of, of knowing that it's happening, but not necessarily seeing it. So it gives you, I don't know, this weird, like I said, this weird fear factor or weird dread factor that being said although i likened it to the made for tv docs Mm -hmm. this is one that was definitely done in a more adult like release style and so it gets pretty graphic at times yes there's nudity there is uh there's implied rape right uh there's implied uh, pedophilic rape yes rape yes 
mutilation. Yes. You get to see... <laughs> wow. uh, for maybe like two seconds at a time, you get to see him disposing of some of the bodies in many different ways. So yeah, you so many you, you different, see... You get many, many different like one to three second clips of like dismemberment, uh, exactly what I was about mutilation... To say. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this is not for the faint of heart. So if you're if you're squeamish and, with that kind of stuff, I think the worst part is you get like much like martyrs, you get basically a, not a twenty minute uncut sequence, or not you know not a twenty minute straight sequence. Right. It's broken up by the documentary portion, but you get basically a twenty minute torture sequence you, of him breaking yeah. a person. It's it's wild. This film is. Like I said, it, it hits on some like a lot of taboo subjects. So think about that too. So if you don't like speaking about taboo, like I said, subject matter and society, etc., this one might not be for you. But for those who are willing to, you know, step over to the next realm of this uh, podcast, you know, you're in for a doozy. Um, and I think with that, we can probably jump into our guts and bolts. The guts and bolts. Yeah. Uh, the guts and you know spools and spools of fucking VHS tape, <laughs> lots of them. Jesus, and lots of bodies and yeah. yeah you we'll, about to find out. <laughs> we'll get there. We're all about to find out. <laughs> right on, man. Well, I'm ready for guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. All right, man. So we're in the guts and bolts, right? Number twenty-two, the keeps tapes. In real life, we're actually like an hour later, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just took a little break, but we're back. Yeah, we're back, right? So uh, I think in some ways, I wow. think we were both kind of just uh, wanting to work our, ourselves up for this fucking movie. You kind of have to. Uh, I mean, we'll just throw it out there again. It's kind of a messed up one, man. But I think it's another one of these movies that, that maybe bears looking at in a little bit different way. Because the documentary portions... They kind of explain themselves. They do. But the neat thing is this killer is fucked up. He, yeah, he's, a, he's very demented. But you know what? Very calculating. And so I kind of just want to focus on, on the shit we know directly about him yeah, through the tapes, through this episode. The, the documentary portion is fantastic. It draws you in. You have these experts yeah, of course, yeah. drawing these conclusions <clears throat> on this and that. But... And I think there's a couple lines from them and some some different portions that we definitely need to mention well, as yeah. we go through it. But I I think I more just want to highlight the the killer. I, and I think well, also because and also because about. I really I really want people to sort of just this movie's a bit of an experience. I really want them to just sort of all go check it out. Yeah. No. I like I said, if you can find it right, if you can find a reasonable way of getting your hands on it, um, do yourself a favor and watch it. Because you'll you'll experience a great film all the way throughout, start to finish. Mm-hmm. The beginning, though, I thought was kind of lame. Because the first bit of footage that we see is just like a camera falling over and kind of like a body being, being dragged. dragged in the background. Yeah. Uh, kind of lame for what's to follow. Yeah. Especially because everything to follow is so, so much better quality. Like, he's usually so much better at like, doing the camera and shit. And... Yeah, which gives a... Um... Somewhat of a foreshadowing of events to unfurl from this point, possibly. Uh, the other thing, though, that did jump out at me from the beginning, and I know there are tons and tons of movies that do this, right. but because we covered it on the show, and because I'm a fan of it, uh, the fact that like the opening credit thing was done over 
a giant green forest with a river running through it immediately reminded me of Cannibal Holocaust. I agree. I agree. Because it's just a And I know there's a lot of other movies that do it, too. But because we've covered it on the show, and because I'm a fan of it, and it's a horror movie. You can't help but correlate that, yeah. And, and that I, probably wasn't even the intent, like. But you know, like I said, it's it's a good way though of showing like it's that's it sometimes uh, somehow it gets involved, right? That flyover. So part one is enta- entitled "The Tapes," right. which is mostly what we're going to be talking about. Now, what we get in this movie, I mean, tape wise, this movie's like eighty-two minutes long, eighty-four minutes long. Yeah, it's like not that. very long. A little over an hour and twenty-something odd minutes. And of that, maybe a third of it, if that, probably less is footage from the tapes. Yeah, I, if that, if that. And in the movie, the AV guy says there are... How many hours did he say? 2,400 hours. Yeah. And he said there's there's hours of things that are weird, like weird things. That he said there's hundreds of hours, and this is some of the, fir- <laughs> some of the first footage you see in the tapes. He said there's hundreds of hours of... Weird balloon stuff. <laughs> He's like, hold on, what? W- balloon stuff? And it cuts to the killer, who I guess would be... What was it? The, the What was the name? Ed is what they used as his name. Well, yeah, not the Ed, though, but what's the, the name that they came up with later on? It's the the uh, Water Street Butcher. Is Water right? Street Butcher. Because I, I, that's the only name they gave him. Yeah, I, I think like that. I think the Water Street Butcher is far more appropriate for only when he was using that... Persona? Persona. Right. Because that was the only time he was using that particular MO or a and handle stuff or and, yeah something like that yeah exactly. Uh, it's interesting, man. That's, that's but there's nothing else to really call him either. No, uh, like there's only a slight mention of that name Ed, which we'll get into further. But at that point, you don't know the the character's name. You don't really know who he is at this point. So the Water Street Butcher is getting this young lady, right? She's uh, and her scantily like, clad. She's in her undergarments. To bounce up and down on a balloon. To first she blows it up. What, first she blows it up. She blows them things up, right? And then she bounces on them, because that's what he wants. And I mean, I know the, the balloon thing is an actual fetish. Yeah, I mean, uh, different like, strokes, man. I grew up watching Real Sex on HBO. I watched, I watched the show. You know I'm familiar I mean? with like, that, yeah. People have all kinds of fantasies. Who am I to so, stop on them? But, I mean, he immediately, like... It's like pop it. Like, yeah, pop it, pop that shit. <laughs> but he was—he was very adamant about the fact that he wanted that balloon popped. And she immediately <laughs> looks worried, but starts going for it, and yeah. it's not happening easily. Right after that, I think we get one of the first reenactments. I think, like I said, it's pretty spot on. So, <laughs> the next piece of footage, though, that we get is there. This is still him early in his career. Okay. This is so fucked up, right? Like, this is the one that I, I feel like puts off a lot of people, is his first kill, I guess. Yeah, so this takes place in part two, right? Right, it's like the very beginning of part two, First like Blood. First Blood. Yeah, so think about that title, too. So that... Because they're just going through his career. Oh my gosh, yeah. And that first part is just the fact that they found the tapes and all this shit. The second part, you start getting into the killer. Yeah, so you, you kind of get more of a uh, profiling side, because this involves... Uh, the retired um, FBI profiler, right? And the guy plays Mike Mokes or Because now they have all this, they have all this footage of exactly what he did. Because oh, yeah. he was, they mentioned that he would even, in the middle of kills, stop 
to go change the tape. Change the tape, yeah. To make sure that he was still getting it. Yeah, he was that involved. And we met, already mentioned, <laughs> what, 2,400 hours, right? 2,400 hours of, of found footage, right? And we'll talk about something else that happens later, too, they find out. So the the class is sort of centered around it, and that's what we kind of get the cuts of. And that's, yeah. that's sort of how it's played around, is we'll see stuff, then the professor will sort of, or whatever, the teacher, I guess not Yeah, he, he kind of gives his insights on He'll give insights, the profiling then he'll bounce around to the other FBI agents, and they'll give yeah. their insights, and... So we get the first kill, though, basically. Oh, wow. And what a... this is one of the ones that I didn't have to watch again. It's pretty disturbing, I know what eh? happens. Uh, I knew some of the lines almost word for word. Yeah. Because Motherfucker just, like, walks up on this little girl playing it out in the yard. He starts to uh, ask her about the dolls like she's playing with and stuff, right? And she's, I mean... I guess she's she's kind of doing what she's supposed to, I yeah, guess. She probably could have booked it out of there pretty soon. She says that she's not supposed to talk to strangers. He but gets... she's just kind of, she's like, she's not giving into it. She's not, like, falling for, like, oh, there's a fucking puppy in my car or something. She's not having any of it. No, she just wants to play out in the front yard, and this guy's creeping up on her. One of the scariest lines, <laughs> I think, in any horror movie I've ever heard. And this was, like, now, like, it's even scarier to me now, honestly, because now I have, like, my little sister's, like, seven, eight, or something like that, and, like, I have a little baby niece and shit. Yeah. When I first watched this movie, I didn't really have all of that. And I, it still just frightened the shit out of me, because he just straight up tells her, he's like, if I was the big bad wolf, there's really nothing you could do about it. Yeah. I mean, that is a startling thing to say to anyone, let alone a little girl. You don't see it, because he sort of has to put down the camera a little bit. He yeah. tries to get her to look in the camera and shit. Yeah, and she's, she's not, not buying really into it. it either. No. He ends up just walloping her. You don't see it, but you hear the effects of it. And grabbing the body and hauling ass back to his car. <laughs> yeah, and then driving off. Yeah, you sort of see him throwing the body in the back seat and... Yeah, and then, like, the way it's filmed, too, inside the car, because it's kind of grainy, but you hear the breathing like he's, you know, kind of yeah. hyperventilating a little bit, you know? It's it, it's like, holy shit, man, That's that was super intense. And not only that, but you see it from the angle of the killer. It's like, man, that is some fucked up shit. Dude, yeah, it's intense. I do want to point out, like, the, the footage is really... Like, the found footage, the tapes, it's really not just grainy, but, like, wavy and colors fading in and out. And this yeah, like, all VHS throughout. quality. Like, yeah. But, like, deteriorated VHS. Like, yeah. Like, it's, it's been watched. Some of this shit is kind of hard to to see yeah. throughout the movie, which kind of adds to it and helps out, I guess. It's, it's an added effect that's really hits home. And I, I didn't take notes of it, but almost any time during the documentary if they're talking about him of disposing of bodies in any way or different victims, the way that they do it is they sort of flash back and forth between cuts from the footage of him doing shit, but it's like half second to a second flashes of shit. And I didn't take note of every fucking time. It's just just a lot of content. Uh, Yeah. It's a lot, but you start understanding like every time they're saying something, 
Yeah. It's because it's happened. They've seen it in this footage that he very <laughs> meticulously kept. And you're not even, you know, you're only seeing the very, very tip of the iceberg, the, the actual narrative that they can weave together from this guy because there's so much to it. Yeah, and like so there was one cat in particular we just mentioned who got to sit through most of the 2,400 hours of found tape. <laughs> this is... This is this is nothing what we're seeing here, right? But uh, yeah, the fact that he's well, going after little girls too, it's uh, and that was like his first wow. one. And they mention how it's kind of like weirdly sporadic and this and that. They have the interview with the parents, at which point you find out that she was raped. Yeah, and murdered face down. You uh, you get they hear the sound clip of the mom calling into the nine one one dispatcher and. You know, they're just kind of like, well, it has to be 24 hours. Mom's panicking. Um, yeah, she starts to break down because uh, I think the dad mentions the fact that he thought about moving away, but they stayed because the girl might come back home. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, I think that's where it hit the mom at home. And then, yeah, you're like, damn, it's pretty heavy. And then it shows the, uh, the, the retired professional, right? The profiler, FBI mm-hmm. profiler. He's telling the class... Uh, this is nothing. He doesn't even know what he's doing yet. Speak right. of the killer. And <laughs> like shit. And that's the thing, like it immediately gets kind of even more screwed up. Especially when you start learning all the details. Mm-hmm. And you bringing up the A V guy again sort of reminded me of like just the little anecdote he throws in like his wife watched thirty minutes of the footage yeah. and wouldn't let him touch her for a, a year. year. Yeah, he said. He brought some of the work home, and that's all it took was her watching a half an hour of the footage. That was it. He couldn't even touch her. Right. So the next thing you see is him uh, basically stalking and killing a couple. Yeah, he he, uh, he claims that his car's broken down. And they pick him up. Right. Uh, and he's yeah, like, so hey, he do you mind film. if I yeah. film this? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of recording my trip. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, no problem. So, oh, we're going to be movie stars. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. The, the couple are a little too willing he gets and him going off to a gas station. With the a little bit goal. off the road. Right. He ends up attacking uh, the husband who's driving right. with a hammer. I like this shot right before where he kind of zooms in on the rearview mirror. Oh, yeah, and he's sort of just studying the husband's eyes in the yeah, rearview mirror. That's a really cool of... shot. And he, he takes the camera and he looks down as like he slides the hammer out and shit. Oh. Fucking wallops him. And you get some intercuts with the documentary, and they're sort of explaining everything that goes on. But he ends up, like, chloroforming the gal out. Yeah. And they explain how he must have rehearsed it. I didn't quite buy that. I, yeah, I don't know if somebody... In the age of the selfie, I real everyone can knows how to do that shit. Yeah, like, it's almost instinctual at a point. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't buy that it, didn't, yeah. it needed to be... Rehearsed. But, you know, it, it, I guess it fed into their narrative of who this person was. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, it fits into the the myth, the legend, the... Yeah, the, the whole shebang. But he does. He winds up chloroforming her. Uh, you're right. You're, the agents, the FBI agents throughout, they start discussing how he's getting better at this. Uh, he's starting to plan his murders. He's what they call a mixed killer. He's kind of mixing it up. Eventually, you see the video of, of our killer... Right. Well, she would just yeah. He mentions that his name is Ed because she the the lady she asks a bunch of questions and that's where he you know he's like I'm not really from around here, and he's more wanting to talk about the gas station. Mm-hmm. The and get them out there. That's where you hear him mention the name Ed. It's just a decoy. Yeah, that's where the Ed comes from. But yeah. I still think of him more as the Water Street Butcher. That's right. Yeah, I think Water Street Butcher. 
this part right here is pretty intense too. He, he wakes, wakes her, her up, or starts to wake her up. Honestly, it wasn't until I watched it this morning that right. I was ever able to make out the details. Wow. Of what he did. It's uh, pretty fucked. And as she wakes up and she starts to come to and look down and shit, he's like, "Look, look," and he sort of cameras down. And he has C-sectioned her and put her husband's head in her womb. That is fucked up, isn't it? Yeah. That's exactly what happens. I think one of the most disturbing parts, aside from that disturbing point, is the whole time that he's trying to get her up, he he starts to do that, wake up, wake up. Yeah, and it's like... And that's the thing. We're going to see it here very soon, but... One of the very interesting things about this guy is his theatricality. Yes, he's very theatrical about what And he one does. of the disturbing, haunting things with some of the images that get presented later on is his theatricality. Because there's a lot of the things he does that are only disturbing to the viewer of the tape. The person involved wouldn't even be seeing them. Yeah. Good point. But he's, I mean, it's obvious that he's playing to the tape. He always, he always makes sure the tape is set up, this and that, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, which, so. you know, like I said, we'll, uh, we'll kind of delve into that. And he's, he's very, like I said, he's very calculating in what he does. He has a certain approach that he follows, whether it's um, intentional or unintentional. I had to make note of this from the documentary part, because yeah, yeah. you start finding out how calculated he truly is. You know, they, they explain all these different ways that they're trying to track them down and narrow down their search and this and that and check all these gas stations footage, yeah. and they find their only footage of him. Yeah, no, it was really cool. Uh, and the way they said it, too, is, like, they discovered there was a route that he could have taken within a, a certain radius. So they narrowed it down, and they started looking at all these gas stations along those routes, and they happened to find one out of all those. I mean, that's... Good work for them. What was it? So they get this footage of him gassing up, yeah. hiding his face, signing to the camera. He throwing up signs. Red House. Yeah. Which they found the second body behind, uh, what was it? It was a place known as the Red House. Red House Inn or something yeah. like that, a tavern or something, whatnot. And this was before he even met the couple. So he had it planned out. He was throwing up signs like, this is going down, Sean. And then I, I also wanted, from the documentary side, I, I loved the input from one of the FBI agents uh, that the way that he would dispose of the bodies was a way that she, she described him as being a killer that understood bureaucracy. Yeah. Because, like, one of the gals he abducted 100 miles away from where the tapes were eventually found. Yeah. Her torso was found two counties away. Yeah, he was disposing of, of them in different but counties. her hands or something were found, like, 100 miles west of that or something like that. Yeah. And, it, it was it was And very all at smart. different times, and they break down, like, how, how do you follow these cases when you find the different pieces five miles apart in seven different, you know, five years apart in seven different jurisdictions? Wow. Like, yeah, a lot of red tape involved with mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so she does. She does mention that. Here's where I was talking about this kid earlier, uh, Jason Ribling, the the character, mm-hmm. the actor who plays this part. He was the dismemberment expert in the film. 
Oh, right. Okay, so that's uh, so I was going to jump in and talk about him because this is where he starts to talk about the killer going down a level. Oh, right. He he wouldn't just find better ways of getting getting rid of somebody. He would just change it up. Exactly. So you would think with no rhyme or reason. He yeah, would go you would back think to harder the, ways. Yeah, in the early stages, would be really primitive the way that the killer is approaching it to things where they're more calculated, cleaner, you know, more precise. But this, you're right. This guy mixes it up, so it, it becomes a challenge. Then I think we basically get into part four, right? Cheryl Dempsey. This is the start of some of the most terrifying, most fucked up parts. Yeah. In this film, in the whole film, I agree. This is wow. Uh, Cheryl Dempsey is a very particular victim of his. Uh, we mentioned her earlier, and her performance. Oh yeah, she's this early part of the performance stunning. is nothing special because it's just going through basic the day. stuff. Yeah, he's, he's just stalking, stalking her. her, right? And it, it honestly kind of reminded me almost like uh, like Michael Myers. Yeah, I agree. That stalking Jamie Lee, even how in uh, our. And Leslie Vernon. And Leslie Vernon kind of reminded me of that. But something about it just seemed so much more off-putting because of what you had already seen about it. Like, you kind of know the intentions here aren't... I mean, you're going to get a much cleaner death from Michael Myers. If if I want to die by one of these guys, (laughs) I'm going to die by Mike Myers any day of the week rather than being caught by this motherfucker. If you get caught by this guy, man, that's that's not the dude you want catching you. No. <laughs> no way, buddy. He eventually breaks into her place. You know, at oh, night. Right, right before that, I just yeah. wanted to mention something that was was really, really unsettling about this this character, this guy portrays, is the fact that he was using like this, uh, this I don't know, it was like a frequency band that he was tapping into, but mm-hmm. he winds up picking up on one of her, her phone calls. Oh, that's that right. Having. And he's listening to the phone call. Yeah, and during the conversation, because it's, it's very at times a little inaudible uh but she's she's telling the person on the other end that she's sensing something bad's about to happen right and they have those pieces with her friend uh talking about like yeah yeah before all this happened like she she mentioned to me like she felt like she was being watched all the time and stuff and yeah so this girl had a little premonition like something bad was going to happen and her friend on the and it sounded like a male friend a companion maybe her boyfriend he was like yeah it just you know it's just the the finals or whatever so it, i would assume that she's a college student this mm-hmm. girl but you're right he eventually does break into her home this part kind of <laughs> reminded me of Whoa. hills have eyes oh yeah it's super dark man and with the uh, with like Pluto and and Mars yeah. breaking into the camper and shit, except sneakier, stealthier. This dude has his shit together. He breaks in while she's in the shower. Yeah, he goes into the kitchen first, grabs a knife, goes upstairs. Yeah, goes into her bedroom. She's taking a shower. He sort of creepers around for a bit. Plays with her panties a little bit. Yeah, she she kind of feels like he's there, but. The boyfriend ends up showing up, which kind of saves his ass, because then he doesn't really have to reply or anything. He winds up going into uh, the Because the boyfriend here is in replies, yeah. but he's the one that's actually in the room kind of fucking around with shit. But it's kind of general shit, so that it doesn't matter where the boyfriend's at, as long as he's replying, you know what I mean? Exactly. So, he, he has the whole distraction in place. He sets up the camera, hides in a closet, yep. and fucking waits. He expertly waits. Time. He does. Because they 
she gets out like it seems like they probably canoodle yeah they go downstairs they watch a movie he waits till they're passed out it seems like way later in the night you would imagine it i would say at least an hour passed by at that point it's i think the movie was finished so i would say i would have to i'd say two hours from the point at least that's a long time to wait in a closet and he also had a creepy ass mask on quite similar to what you have above your computer that's true a little bit yeah a little bit he goes downstairs sort of checks it all out yeah they're sleeping on the couch the couple how how does he split them up i can't quite remember because well the the boyfriend wakes up they both yeah they both kind of wake up she asks if he's gonna spend the night and he's like yeah she's like all right well let me go pee first you know and then we'll just i'll just want to go to sleep he's like all right so he sneaks off to the to the uh, kitchen while she goes off to to you know take a leak whatever and as he goes in the kitchen that's where our killer ed goes into the kitchen beat down number one boom gets him because he basically just runs them both down and beats the shit out of them yeah because what what happens is as as he's attacking uh the boyfriend she sees him because she comes out of the bathroom she sees what's happening to her boyfriend he goes after her and he winds up getting hurt and you see like this this shadow of what's happening Looks like he's punching her in the back of the head. Yeah. You're like, fuck. And, yeah, he's just going, wham, until she's out, finally. Yeah, I'm like, oh, And you damn. don't quite know what happens yet. Uh, he goes back into the, into the kitchen, and it looks like he might have stomped on the boyfriend's head. I think that's what it looked like to me. After uh, he punches her in the head. Because <laughs> I think before you what? get the explanation of what finally, finally happened, you get everybody thinking that, that she's dead. Yeah, because you, you get, get to see the footage talking about it, right? You get the footage of what actually happened to her, Jesus. or at least the first bit of footage. Yeah, you get to find out what really happens. And he has her uh, like reverse hogtied, like everything's yeah, he arched does. back. He does, and ga- mouth gagged open. And oh man, he's sky fucked up. I mean, I've I've seen some pretty I mean, we, some you know, stuff, and know. I've seen similar things, but not as extreme as he was doing it. His intent was obviously. I may have seen this stuff. Yeah, his intent was obviously uh, <laughs> beyond <laughs> pleasure. Yeah, no, no, no not that, for them anyway. That I mean, yeah, no, no. He had he had other plans in mind for why he's got her tied up the way she's tied up. Is it way too dark to say that this is basically the? Uh, your name is Toby Scene. <laughs> Basically, I mean... Your name is Slave. It's fucked up. Uh, yeah, he's, he, ke- name? he keeps telling her that, right? He says, your name is Slave. Your name is Slave! He's adamant about this. And punching her in the side when she... And eventually she breaks down, my name's Slave. Yep. Then you find out what happened to Tim, her boyfriend. Yeah. From a police officer who asks how graphic he can get. And he, t- he gives the details. I wrote something down some of what he talks about. Crushed in the side of his head. The head was crushed. He was cut from anus to throat. His intestines were strewn about like Christmas lights. His genitals were cut off and stuffed in the sock drawer upstairs. Yep. And his mouth was stuffed with animal feces. So this is what happened to the boyfriend of Cheryl. Then you get some more footage of yeah, Cheryl. Wasn't he just like dumped in the woods too? Something yeah, like something like that. Fuck, hell, hey. Or I, I'm, was he even dumped in the woods? I think he might have just been left like... I had it written down somehow, like, he, he was killed in the house and then dumped in the woods. That might be it. Maybe, I mean, I don't know. But I don't remember it, for sure, because pretty quick after that, you get some more footage of what's going on with Cheryl. Yeah. 
she starts to cry for her mom. She like that's basically what she says. I just want my mom. I just want. He starts to tell her that uh, I killed your mom. I killed your family, and that she starts to like cry and panic, and he starts to like starts to drown her in that little sink. He, like starts to dunk her head in that shit until she submits. she says he wants her to say that she's, she's happy, happy that he killed her family, and that slaves have no family. You're the master is what he wants. So, yeah, she starts to tell him, like, you know, I, I'm happy that you killed my family. And, he, like, you're the man. I'm like, God damn, dude. Yeah. Phew, it's intense, man, because what he's doing Serving is breaking. Master is what pleases me. Yeah, this, like that. there's a Depeche Mode song, Master and Servant. I mean, this is everything you do when you're breaking down somebody mentally. And it's not just that, like, he's dragging her over to, to drown her and do that shit. No, no, he's he, already strung up. <laughs> Yeah, and he's just taking her out as being strung up to drown to her, dunk her, and her her release is being strung back up again. But yeah, exactly. So he's that's breaking the, her that's down. That's the better option of the two currently. Which one would you rather be in under those circumstances? Right, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, exactly. It's fucked up. Uh, but this the cues back to reporters, right? They're they're uh, interviewing the victim's uh, mother. Which I wrote down, which is actually, it's not the victim, it's Cheryl's mother, right? I almost feel bad for what I wrote. He, uh, uh, uh... He punks mom. He does, man. He eventually is like, if there's anything I can do to help, you just let me know. And then she's like, hold on, wait. She realizes that the guy who's asking to help out is actually the guy who's got her daughter. But she she starts to admit on, the, on camera that she didn't, she couldn't just run after him or she catch him. She was on... F- on fear yeah because she was so scared well we're about to find out what her fear happened what what caused you know distress to her daughter coming up and back to more cheryl being strung up yeah she gets uh ungagged or like i think whatever's bound up to her face gets unbound you can be ungagged if if you do this she puts on a dress right it was like a um like a a, like some kind of weird like a german bar wench and yeah, then like yeah. kind of like just like a blank Barbie like, mask ish. Like what was that movie? Um, blank Eyes female mask. Yeah. Like that mask. Kind of like that. Yeah, it's just a blank, weird fucking. I don't know weird. Femaleish face. Kinda, yeah, exactly. Kind of really feminine. Yeah, like made up, but not well done. Yeah. So if you're familiar with, I think that. Yeah, I think that film might. Like if you sort of if Scary, sort of made spooky. to look almost like a like a plastic mannequin. Death mask almost. Uh, oh Jesus! And yeah, so that's and she's basically in that for most of the rest of the movie. And she's so she's that's kind of a big moment. She like. starts to repeat that mantra though over and over again that you're the master. Mm-hmm. And then you get that what I put a B roll of Poughkeepsie, though where they're just getting film footage of the town, like you know a B roll of the town. And this is the big portion where it, it starts to get too hot. Yeah, so it's interesting. Of, yeah, yeah. The, all these events let down, up. Yep. Instead of increasing till he gets caught, mm-hmm. or instead of just stopping, uh-huh. he just changes his mo. He did. He uh, he kept killing, but you're right. He changes mo. Now so all these events only prostitutes. These events are happening. On, do you remember what year they said? Not or oh, uh, 1996. Okay, right. Right. So yeah. So think about that time period too. Till 2001, right? Because yeah, there's it, a time period. Plays yeah. Into, but you're right. The whole point of that was the fact that it was starting to get hot in that that time period. So he's been getting doing all these killings, and yep. people are catching on. So he just switches to doing a different kind of killing. Yeah. So part five. It's not going to be the same guy. Yeah. No. 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 We're about to find out what really happens. It's fucked up right here. 
Par 5, a new MO. All right. right, so now he's killing only prostitutes. Right, this is where we find out the nickname, the Water Street Butcher, because uh, somehow there's a third victim that's found up somewhere along the Hudson. Right, uh, possible six murders, what the commissioner says. All victims were prostitutes, as you were saying. Um, then we get a recording and he's of the slashing killer. Slashing all of them from, uh, from cheek to ear. Yeah, cheek to ear. All of them raped after. Yeah, post mortem. That's the whole point of that. Yeah. And I feel like there was one other thing. Bites? He does. He, he, what he does is he mutilates them in order to cover up the bite marks. Okay, that's right. So, yeah, he bites them and, you know, um, he, like you said, he rapes them after the killings. Um, the guy, like I said, the uh, retired profiler, the guy who's teaching this class, he said he gained some insight into the killer by interviewing one Mr. Ted Bundy. I didn't write his whole name down, but Ted Bundy. So you get to see like a real quick clip of the um, the profiler in like this interviewing Bundy. Yeah, basically, and and, and it's the portion that was relevant to this. It, it's talking about well, the, he asked, being Bundy asked Mister um, Mokes, did he rape the uh, victims before or after? And he's like, well, after what or before what? He said, you know, after you killed them. So yeah, we find out that he does like to have sex with them after the fact, and this He's gives like, him clues. Well, then if you find a fresh one, sit on it. Yeah, because eventually he'll, come, he'll back. come back. Exactly. The guys who do it after come back. They don't care. The guys who do it before, yeah. they're not going to come back. He says that Ed will return uh, for sexual reasons. That's the whole point. But they never found a body fresh enough. No, they found evidence that he came back though. You know what's fucked up after this scene? Not that that's fucked up enough. Is the next point that we see is the Girl Scout cookies. Well, before that, we <laughs> did, before that though, and I think even before we got into the fact the the Ted Bundy part, yeah, we get Cheryl being forced to kill the prostitute. Yeah, that, yeah, he does bring the the one home because I can't she, remember why he's punishing her, but he punishes her I, by ha- forcing know, her to kill. I know what happens. He brings that prostitute home because he, I guess he's posing as like a cop or a pimp or something like that and he's like why did you rat on this you know this john or something like that he winds up kidnapping that prostitute brings her back home the prostitute is trying to escape while i think cheryl's bound up right she's all fucked up Mm -hmm. anyway he has to come in there because she's making too much noise that woman the prostitute and that's her punishment because she couldn't contain that woman that's right yeah Mm mm-hmm and that's just that. I mean, that's even more going into just breaking her down because now she's also complicit with doing. You're right. This, he so. does as his, as her punishment, Cheryl. He makes her slit that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fucked up, dude. You're right. But then after all that we talked about, then we get the Girl Scouts come to the door. This one kind of and made me feel is, uncomfortable a lot. Well, he's sitting there, and he's obviously. I mean, he's obviously trying to prey on them. Basically, he, yeah, he's uh, he's. What he what he does in. he tricks them into coming to the house because he's saying like there's a lot of predators out there. He's a like, good thing I'm a cop, so come on in. And like, oh okay. He gets them to tell him where they live. If they tell their parents where they go, how often? He starts to ask like some weird questions, but they start to hear noises coming from the basement. He he's trying to get them to 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 go. To go down to the basement. He says there's a raccoon down there. They're like, the raccoons aren't from around here. He's like, oh, as a matter of fact, I've got one down in my basement. But he kind of shows how smart he is. Because when one kind of wants to bug out, he doesn't press the issue. He's like, at that point, he knows that he has one problem down in the basement. Yeah. And if they both start bugging out, 
then he's got three problems to attend to. Yeah, it can compound can split the, up exactly. He's just like, oh no, I'm just gonna have to buy cookies at a later time. Yeah, he's like, well, you go ahead and leave. What I thought because I haven't seen this film in a while, and when he gave those little girls Coca Colas, Cokes, uh, I was like, oh shit, he drugged them. He's got them. That's what I was thinking immediately, mm-hmm. but I was like, hold on, nah, I don't think that's how it plays out. But yeah, it's, it's but before he heads downstairs, it gets a little bit more fucked up. It does. Cheryl's he, uh, been in the room. She has. He doesn't he like knock her down somehow, and she's like hovering over this hand mirror. No, he doesn't knock her down. How does that how that coffee table? He takes the top off of it, and it wasn't a coffee table. It was a plank across her back and okay. she's been on her hands and knees in the middle of the room in the mask yep. being forced to stare into that mirror <laughs> acting as the coffee table oh shit oh, i didn't realize that that's what yeah i was saying because i was like because he doesn't bring the mirror down either I it's already why, there why that mirror was there placed because she is staring right down at it as she's on all fours it looks like covering over it i didn't realize that was what she was serving as wow yeah, she's she's the coffee table, and he chews her out for blames her for not tying her up enough and saying that she took pity on the on her and is trying to let her yeah, escape. Exactly, and, it's fucked up. This is where one of the FBI agents says that uh, uh, it's up to ten victims now. Six of them have been found with the same semen. Right? They, so they got a break in the case. Yeah, they get a break because. They get oh uh, fingerprint. They get fingerprints and DNA in an unwashed glass of water at one of the victims. Um, traces back to a cop. Yeah, it was a match on an officer named James Foley. Here's the interesting thing about him is that he had no alibi. He was in he was present in all those places, and he liked hookers. Yeah, and you're right. And he had no alibi, and there was plenty of evidence that put him at the scene of these crimes. This is where you get to see the son. I can't remember his name. was like Hank or something like that. The son of James Foley, the guy we're talking about. How he discusses that, um, how it affected him. He was kind of funny because he was kind of like a really depressed <laughs> burnout. <laughs> yeah, he seemed like that guy, that kid was scattered brains. Like he was mm-hmm. all over the place. But uh, what happened with him is he had like a girlfriend or a fiance. And she didn't want to get pregnant or have a child with a guy whose dad was a serial killer. So she split with him. So he was saying, like, this whole thing was affecting his love life, and it was affecting him in general. This guy had a history with prostitutes. The whole time during his case, James Foley, he refused to have a plea bargain as a defense, and his lawyer, he told him, like, he would fire them, and that he would serve as his own defense. After it all boils down, it's weird because they explain all that, and then way... Like minutes later, five minutes later, after the conclusion of everything, yeah. one of the guys sort of explains like it's a lot easier like when the guy's guilty because because by the way he's obviously not guilty. We all know that at this point. But. Yeah. What happens is um, I guess, but it's way easier to defend them when they are guilty because an innocent man's just he's like I'm innocent. Like the whole this this whole scene that happens right here, like um, I thought was interesting. Like like you said, this cop gets. Uh, he gets accused of these murders of prostitutes, right? All this evidence points towards him. His son's in cahoots with because his dad's an accused serial killer. During the trial, a guy, he doesn't take a plea bargain. He doesn't say... He, he pleads innocent, apparently, right? Mm-hmm. Keeps that defense. He gets convicted. 
right? He, gets well, he, was, he was extradited to Pennsylvania because two of the yep. killings were there, and they have the death penalty there. Yeah. He gets the death penalty. Yeah, so now, while I guess this stuff is going on in court, it seems like the son is convinced because one of the reporters during this newscast interviews the son during the, the trial, and the son feels like, you know, his dad did it. And they're holding like this candlelight vigil on the the eve or the night that he's going to get executed, this guy. His last meal is like steak and potatoes, some basic bullshit. But he still pleads his innocence the whole time. He refuses prayer, all this other stuff. Winds up getting executed. It happens on September 9th, 2001. And I thought, wow, that's interesting because that's like a few days before (laughs) 9-11. Right, well, here's, here's what happens. Yeah, so... Part six. It goes through... Dude gets killed. Part six. Missed one. Yeah, as missed one. Soon, as soon as the what his partner, right? Who was another cop? It's just or like something. a few days later, right? I when think he said happens. as soon as he got home from from it happening in his yeah. mailbox was oh, a letter. Yeah. There was a map that had a, map. a detailed point of where it seems like a missing victim they didn't find, right? So uh, the map they has go and a find it. Body, right? They find it. The immediate DNA sample it, right? The guy wants immediate one. And this uh, expert, this DNA sample expert, talked about the pressure he was underneath. And it wound up matching Foley's, the Water Street butcher. Um, This is where he starts to plead the guy's innocence. Like, this can't happen after the fact, right? Yeah. Uh, They end up, I mean, obviously, he didn't do it. They have evidence that, you know, so he gets cleared. They run an article in the paper, but... It was 9-11 happened. It was bumped by 9-11. It was three days after his execution that it would have exonerated him. But the whole point was that it got buried in this newspaper article because of 9-11. So the whole 9-11 thing fucked his dad's whole fact that he's innocent because he mentions the kid. He mentions later on that, you know, when people ask him, are you related to the, you know, Water Street butcher you know, he's like, no, you know, my dad, he was innocent. But then they start to feel, like, weird around that guy because he's the kid. Mm-hmm. You know, all the, all the while, why his dad's innocent. And then... <laughs> this is what we find out about the fact, right? That the the guy, the serial killer, was using this officer as a decoy. It would have been the crime of the century had it not been for the fact that 9-11 happened. Right? So, so nobody knows about it. He Yeah, he was using this, this cop as a ploy... To do other killings. So he framed this cop with these prostitute killings, and then he wound up doing his own killings that he yeah. wanted to do. And you get one of the, the killings again <laughs> oh, pretty wow. shortly after. This the is where I think fo- you said that this is the woman, Samantha. I think, I'm pretty sure this is Samantha. Yeah. and He's posing as an officer. He's posing as an officer, pulls up. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. It's all messy back here. You're going to have to get in the back. Yep. And, you know, he's telling her, he's like, oh, it's dangerous with the butcher about, and this and that, and... She's like, oh, yeah, my stop's up here, and he blows by it. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was. And so so why did why did you call me officer? I'm not a cop. I'm a butcher. That's what he tells her, right? Mm-hmm. And she's freaking That's out. That's not stuff. funny. He's like, here, how about this? Uh, if you we get out of this, I'm going to rape you. But if you're good and this and that, I'll let you live. Yeah. And so she agrees, and he's like, ah, no, I'm not going to fall for that. That's yeah. not going to happen. And then, once again, another chilling line that I almost... I wrote it down, too. I want you to say that. Yeah. I almost didn't have to write it down. Like, it's another line from this movie that has always just resonated, because it's fucking chilling. It's just like, 
be perfectly honest, I don't think either one, either of us wants you to be alive for the things I'm going to do to you. Yeah, and then she starts to plead with him, right? He's going, like, out of the driver's seat around to where she's at in the back seat, and she's looking, like, like for the door handles. He's like, oh, no, there's no door handles in the back. Yeah. There's no escaping. And she's, like, I wouldn't have left the door handles on, something like that. Yeah, she's freaking out. She's pleading with him, you know. But this is where it, it's just like, man, you start to get this ominous music, and it looks like he's actually going out to take a piss is what I wrote down. It looks like he's taking a whizzer. And then it goes back in, into this other found footage like of a tape of her being tied up in the basement. And this is where you get this really, the, I think one of the most creepy parts of the whole film. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's a uh, it's imagery that that sticks with people from this movie. Yeah. Like this is one of the the sort. If this movie has an iconic moment, I this guess is this definitely would be it. it. This is definitely it. She's creeped up really close to the camera, or tied yeah. up really close yeah. to the camera yeah. uh, for very specific reasons that'll come into play. <laughs> Clear tape over her mouth. <laughs> yeah, and he creeps into the room on all fours, but on all fours, I mean like. Hands and feet, not yeah. knees. No, no, no. So Hands he's all way up. And he has on two masks. He has yeah. it on his normal face, uh, right? His and normal, the ones, you like, know, like of... plague doctor mask almost. Yeah. Uh, over his face. But you can't really see it because the angle his head's down at. And so instead there's like a, just like a clear, just a, just a blank mask. Right. On basically kind of the top of his head. <laughs> but it's so that when he's crawling around on all fours, you see it that looks one. like it's... It's looking forward. Exactly. And he, he crawls creeps up behind up. her. Yeah, creeps up, crawls up right behind her. And when he pops up, up, he's got these two needles that are hooked up to his uh, his index finger and his middle finger. And, and he winds he up just, injecting her in the throat, the side of her neck. And, but it's not even injecting her. No, no, not filled with anything. No, he, he just, just poking her until she starts to bleed out her neck. And like, she starts coughing up blood, but... Her mouth's all taped up, so she can't fully cough it yeah. up. But it's clear plastic tape, so you start seeing like blood bubble up through it and shit. It's intense, man. It's a creepy scene. It's intense. Wow. Um, this is what I wrote down. The Agent Lewis, he's one of the FBI agents. Uh, he starts to talk about the way that this killer has been profiled and how this killer was playing right into all these different profiles. Right? So I didn't write them all down, but he was he was recounting like all these various profilers and how they, you know, profile this killer. And they're like, you know, this guy's not educated. He's educated. You know, he does these things. Yeah, it's just this ridiculous it's just, mix. It's just a laundry list of all these it's different the, profiles. I would also say it's the closest thing in this movie to being played for laughs. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's really, I mean, nothing in this movie is not serious. But if there's a joke to be had in this movie, it's his little montage of just, like, the way they edit together all this just mix-mash of profiles about Yeah, it is It is funny. It is funny. There are some really dark, you know, comedy aspects of this film. That is definitely one of them. Um, but, like, so the whole point of that was that every one of those profiles were different, and he was playing right into those hands. Um, this is where they had another major breakthrough in the film, or in the, in the case, excuse me. So they found an IP address on the map quest of the map that was sent to that officer, right? The partner of James Foley, the one that said the you know, missing mm-hmm. one. Had only uh, one download in that time. Only period. yeah, exactly. And it would so trace it back to this house. They found it through like an uh you know, a server, whatever. But they sent a SWAT team 
in to do this. Oh, they pulled no punches. Dude explains everything they went in with. You get to see the footage. They bust yeah. in. Part seven, found. Yeah, they didn't find the killer. It seemed like the killer wanted them to find the house, right? The whole point was, you know, he was playing with them. He even had it wiped, right? No fingerprints. No fingerprints, nothing that pointed to that guy. All the tapes. They found some blood prints and shit, but it didn't belong to him. This is where they did find the tapes. But along with finding the tapes, they make another huge discovery. Well, they find... It kind of looks like like a really cheap coffin. Yeah, exactly. And they bust it open. Guess who's inside? More tapes. Guess who's inside? And Cheryl's just laying. Cheryl's in. laying down in that coffin with her mask on that he put on her, and that dress she's still wearing. They realize she's alive. Get her out of there, obviously. Uh, they go through her condition, which is uh, horrendous. And I, I, I realized. That in the very beginning of this movie, when the homeowner is like, you know, I had a tenant that was a terrible, terrible tenant, tenant yeah. and like this is where they found the tapes, and she needs to go to this room, and she's like, you know, you know, yeah, that's where they found Cheryl. Yeah, put it together. See, at that point, on. I did write down on my notes. It's like I wasn't sure if she was like saying that was a basement or like a bedroom. I knew some bad shit happened there because she's like, you yeah, know, you know. So what? Like five teeth pulled. Yeah, this man. doctor breaks it down. It, it, what I wrote down is, is that she had some wounds that would not heal. And the reasons why is because her way of life was like torture was a part of her life. So her, her body was becoming combative with the fact that she was trying to heal. Sound like? No. Uh, it was she was basically like picking at her scabs to inflict on herself more pain when people would go away. Because she didn't know like pain was the nat- her natural way of... Being she was she was kidnapped or tortured for eight years at that point, right? So yeah, I mean, it makes and sense. then the like, doctor breaks it down where it was like five, like burned, cut. She was oh, man. Uh, bones broken, not allowed to heal, no, exactly. but not just not allowed to heal, but like forcibly not allowed to heal, like yeah. things strapped around them and kept in a broken state. Um, she was teeth pulled, bar. Uh, extreme sexual torture he said electrocution and then he wouldn't mention it he's like yeah there's several things i I can't even mention you're right it was Uh, it was messed up man and then she did mention something though cheryl right she kept saying that she wanted to go home but we found out home isn't what we think home is. she gets home and she keeps saying it and they realize she means back with master back at ed's yeah uh, they did get one interview with her. They finally do. Like they get permission from Cheryl and from oh, her real family. Quick, though, uh, yeah. before the interview, there was one part where wow. I really enjoyed when the FBI director or whatever one of the FBI guys was talking about. He's like, I'm like, what was it like catching him? He, and he's like, I always point out we didn't get him. We got the tapes. Yeah, and <clears throat> we didn't get them. He gave them to us. You're right. That's what he's saying. He's like, he felt like they, like he, like the killer wanted the cops, the FBI, to find these tapes. He was, he was toying with them, because they didn't get him. They got the the yeah, you're right, the tapes. They do get the one interview with Cheryl. <laughs> yeah, guess what happens the whole time? I thought this was like so. And good they're trying to ask her questions, and she's jittery and nervous and looking around the entire time. Extremely soft spoken, almost everything. Yeah. She but just she replies is, with something, right? 
don't, sure. I don't know what you want me to say. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know don't what you want me to say. Know what you want me to say. So what? What I was thinking the whole time, you know, as this was happening, was the fact that she has been a slave this whole time. That she's been told what to say, when to say it, how to say it, etc. That yeah, how does she? She doesn't know how to function. And in, in, what's my answer supposed to be? Yeah, and then the guy who's I guess one of the producers or the interviewer, he's like just answer freely you know you can say whatever you want to say tell us whatever you want to tell us this is where she drops a truth bomb on him just like they never let me say it but she says that uh that ed the killer she doesn't say ed but she says that he loved me and he's going to come back for me right and the whole poem i wrote down is like man this is stockholm syndrome and at a certain point she she sort of scratches her head and you see that she's missing an entire hand yeah she's like i said she's she got to the point like i said eight years in captivity she got reinforced the fact that she was a slave that he killed her family and that he's the master uh two weeks after she takes her own life she left a note uh, where she declared her undying love for her master. Yeah. So you you get a, a, a TV news reporter, right? He's like, there, you know, there's another in another tragic tale of events. Um, the freshly stolen body of Cheryl Dempsey. I guess her grave was looted, right? Her coffin was broken into, and yeah, there's a possible connection to the Water Street Butcher. This is where Agent Shway, one of the guys from the earlier in the film, uh, he believes the killer is still active, but has moved on from that, you know, from that area. Uh, this is where the kid comes back in, the guy who was with the audiovisual expert. When I watched all these films, he said there's an interesting thing that we didn't really oh, discuss. Right. right. He says the fact that all these tapes were in chronological order. And but, numbered sequentially. Yeah. But there was 27 tapes that were missing. And he wonders what was on those tapes. Um, so was it too personal? Yeah, was Did it too personal to share? Yeah, exactly. Or was it even worse? Was it worse than what we've seen up to this point? FBI Shui says that the killer will watch the documentary if this ever gets into theaters. Which I thought was kind of a neat little subtle yeah, fourth I wall break. Too. Because yeah. especially, with, especially with how little screenings there really were of this movie, yeah. then it's like, oh, he could be... It could be sitting in one of these theaters watching it with us right now. Mm-hmm. Or with you as an uh, audience member. So yeah, he says that uh, that the killer will go to as many screenings as possible, right? Uh, and every time be able that to they have out. a screening, they're going to have an FBI agent at these screenings until hopefully they catch the, the killer. Right, and so it goes into end credits, and I wrote down, I was like, okay, hold on, there's a lot of time left. Maybe, just maybe... End credit scene. Yeah, so you get past all the you know the credits and the music and all that stuff. Then you start to hear some some uh, audible screams. I think the first two times I watched this movie, I didn't see this. <sighs> this is creepy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there's a woman. She's tied up and gagged. You hear this is what I wrote down. I, I wrote down. You hear him say, "I'll make you a deal. You can live as long as you don't blink." And then she starts to... Hyperventilate. She hyperventilates. She even starts to snort a little bit. But the whole time, she's like trying to keep her eyes open. But as soon as she blinks, that's when the the cameras go off. And then that's when the movie ends. I'm like, whoa. Great ending. Great ending. All right. Now, since that was the end of the film, right? Since now we're over with. um, I want to say this. This has been one of the... I'm not even going to joke about this. This is one of the the better films, I feel like, we have watched in this series. Like... 
hands down, this is probably one of my favorite films. We yeah, watched. no, this is a this is really a good movie. The movie's super intense, man. I like the way it's um, filmed. Everyone really sells it. Really. Yeah, whatever their role is, they sell it. You know, I'm I'm not sure if the fact that we watched Savage Land recently. So it helped prime the pump a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I did. It kind of because, you know, we had another, something that was a little bit more fresh in the memory, mm-hmm. in the mind. I was like, wow, this is, you know, it's from, it's similar, but not totally, you know? Yeah. It's it's in the vein. Yeah. Not the same films, different narrative, different story altogether, but just the way they're shot, you know, it's like something you can get super comfortable with and super involved with really, you know, and it's not a long watch, an hour and 20 something odd minutes. 20 minutes, something like not that. Not a very long film, but worth a lot of content. I agree. We, and we left a lot. I mean, they really oh, just, they really, in the documentary the sections, they, a lot of detail. They sit there and they try to give you a lot of detail on the yeah. way that they were trying to track him and this and that, which just helps sell the movie even more. But the fact is, is they're telling you exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And, you know, like, so we could spend, Gosh, probably another hour and some on change just discussing what they talked about throughout the And film. I think the implications throughout what they talked about was that there's probably at least 20 to 50 more murders. Yeah. No, he said uh, one of the guys, he did mention the fact that there's at least 25 to 50 active serial killers, I guess, in at any given moment in the United States. He said that's kind of the bigger problem mm-hmm. that doesn't get discussed. So you got to think this is this one guy that we've been watching. And the fact that there's like almost 49, at least 24, more uh, like this guy. And I mean, from from almost <laughs> almost from the gate, like the balloon thing is weird. Yeah. But like, oh, that shit. first kill, the, the kid. Yeah, like, that I was find intense, that that really, that really gets a lot of people. Like, they're like, and, it, and it's super early on in the film, too. Mm-hmm. So it's like one of those, I think it's one of those deal breakers. Like, all right, if you, if you can sit through that part and make it through that part of the film... Then you can you can ride this film out all the way to the conclusion. Yeah, I agree. You know, because I feel like that's probably one of the more uh, uncomfortable aspects of the film, knowing that that little girl, you know, what happened to her. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Uh. I mean, of, of course, it's just a film. It's just the way they filmed it, the way it, it played out, and then you learn the facts. You're like, Damn. Yeah. It's intense. Uh, I agree. And, I mean, I can just... Hats off to these guys, though. These The directors, the Dowell brothers. Still to this day, I just hope that we get get some sort of official release. Yeah, that would be be really, really cool. Because this is one of the films, I feel like, that we have done specifically that would garner some kind of distribution. I wouldn't necessarily want them to ever do anything with this property again. I think part of what makes it so good is that you you know so little about him. Yeah, good point. Um, And how he somehow makes all this work and this and that. But uh, you know just enough to know how dangerous he is, how scary, and an idea of how screwed up he can be. Yeah. So this killer, right, we discover that... He's capable of framing officers while killing on a whole different level. Extreme forethought. Yeah. And Everything is carried out. So what I, you know, would be cool to find out exactly what, who this person is, you know, Mm -hmm. like who exactly is this person. But um, before we can even do that, we do need distribution of this film. So I would be a, uh, a big champion of that. I would be more than proud to add this film to my collection. Yeah. Same here. However, I think the next film that we're going to do is one that you can definitely add to your collection. This one is widely available. 
Well, most likely going to do. There is just one last detail we have yeah. to work out for absolutely sure, but it sounds like it's a go. So It's definitely in the deck. So next should be Evil Dead. Yes. Or some variation of Evil Dead. It might not be the first one. We'll see. We'll see. But it is going to be an entry into the series of the Evil Dead franchise. And it's going to be a very special episode. Yeah. We get our second guest. We got our second guest coming on. And we'll talk more about that when we get to the episode. Yeah. But to get to that episode, there's something very particular that you have to do. Yes. And you have to keep listening to us. And to do that, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Tuned In, Stitcher, yep. SoundCloud. So there. Google Play. Yep. All these different ways. You can always just go stream us on our website, www.friedsquirms.com. We're still there. We're keep up with all our news on Facebook, Facebook and Twitter. as well, yep. Um, and some of our news is also on the website, I guess. Yeah. Every now and then. So. We try to get some other content up on the website as well. Um, We're busy, guys. Yeah. Whatever we can, we do it. What am I missing? Oh, and you can email us, squirmcast at gmail.com. And it'd be awesome yes, to hear we from love you. replies. It would also be awesome if you just continue to share us around to all your friends, let people know. Yeah, like I said, uh, we know it's like still early in the year. Like us on these different platforms, subscribe to us, it really helps. Yeah. Um, it's weird how much, like, that actually helps rather than just like weird listens but you know but i i feel like too like i said it, it even though it's early on in, like I said in this year calendar year uh it gives me motivation to carry on because we've got some really good films coming up yeah we already have some fun things we've planned. got some evil like good said, ones evil in store. next yeah uh, we have the next one after that planned yeah uh, i Maybe think the next one after, after that, that as well we're, we're gonna see what happens we've with got that at least sure. two or three cards That's in the right. deck right and it sounds like it's all gonna be a whole lot of fun and we yeah. have so many more places we can go so I'm super excited. Like I said, I'm uh, I'm so thrilled that we're where I go out. though is not to one of these guys torture dungeons. <sighs> no. Cause... So here's what I learned. Right after we've done this one, I learned you still don't pick up hitchhikers apparently who cars broken down. I'm not buying that one. Uh, you don't answer to a guy who's posing as a police officer, and if you're especially a prostitute, ask for the uh, badge number. Right <laughs> 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 and. Uh, I don't know what else. If if you have premonitions about bad feelings going to happen to you, maybe you should act on those feelings. Yeah, I, I don't know how to defend him against this guy. It seems like if he wants to get you, he's going to get you. Yeah, this guy has he has some some awesome methods. So we'll see what happens with this uh, this character. Hopefully in the future, and maybe he's recommending it to you right now. Possibly, but yeah, ho- hopefully you'll get your hands on this film. Like I said, you can uh, you can give us some feedback on what you think about it. Uh, like I said, continue to listen to us, give us some feedback, and uh, look forward to the next episode. We love you. We love you. Uh, bye. Good night. <laughs>